welcome to the 25th episode of the comic show on Monkeys Fighting Robots. Did you miss us? We are back from our holiday break, and we could not have picked a better week to come back on because Mr. Miracle Issue 6 is out this week. It's the halfway point of the series. It's what Tom King and Mitch Gerrids are calling the Season 1 Climax. So we're doing a mid-season review of the whole first six issues. I couldn't be more excited. I'm your host, Anthony Composto. I'm also the editor of the comic book section on Monkeys Fighting Robots. Joining me in the conversation is my co-host, co-founder of MonkeysFightingRobots.com, Matt Sardo. Hey guys, long time no talkie. Uh, while we were away over the holiday break, I did create a new Facebook page for just our comic reviews only. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in the pop culture world. But sometimes you just want to look at comic reviews. And it's called Comic Book Reviews on Facebook. And in this post, I'll make sure that Anthony puts a link to it on our website. Uh, but definitely check it out. And if you want to, like, just scroll through all our reviews or look at the reviews and comment, like, I want this to kind of grow, like, our comic book review section. And because we're starting to get a good core of writers now on the site. And we're starting to get some good stuff from all the different publishers. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, so we'll probably have some more advanced reviews. We'll, uh, we'll definitely have some more exclusive previews. It seems like we're getting at least one of those a month from DC. And Image is coming through with us a lot on them. And uh, I keep reaching out to Marvel. And Marvel sent me a whole goodie box today. So that was pretty exciting. So a lot of good stuff we've been working. Like, we took a break from the podcast, but I didn't take a break. I didn't either. I don't know what is that implying something. <laughs> I've worked in this whole month. There's also a Twitter. Are we plugging the Twitter as well? Uh, there is a Twitter, but I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. It's Comic Critique, <laughs> which I thought was really clever. I'm surprised that wasn't taken yet. Uh, everything under the sun was taken on comic books, like comic book reviews, like whatever way you could think about it. I was like, how do you write book differently? Something different. But then like Comic Critique came through and I was like, okay. People won't inter misinterpret it as comic stand-up people, uh, I, and so I like it. It sounds it sounds smart. It sounds academic. Yeah, I mean we're we're trying to be smarter in 2008. Um, but if you like this show, subscribe on Blog Talk Radio, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. As always, feedback is welcome. Please comment and tweet us. Let us know what you're doing and what books you are reading or what we should be reading. Uh, I'm excited. There's a little Avengers book coming out this week that I'm excited about. And I'm also excited about the Phoenix Resurrection. Like Marvel, I'm 2018 by the end of the year. I think Marvel's going to rebound. I think so. Yeah, I'm feeling that. Like I've actually I've read the first two issues of Phoenix Resurrection and I'm digging them. I really like Matthew Rosenberg as a writer. And as someone who never cared about Jean Grey or most of the X-Men, honestly, I'm I'm really digging Phoenix Resurrection. I'm actually kind of in my own little X-Men renaissance right now because Grand Design is really good. Ed Pisker's Grand Design is summarizing the entire history of the X-Men in like sort of a uh, documentary, quick-going style. And Astonishing X-Men is really good. We're in an X-Renaissance for people like me who are not X-Men fans historically. And I will be at Uncanny Heroes on this Wednesday to pick up some books. And Uncanny Heroes is the sponsor of this show. And their big shtick is that trades and graphic novels are 25% off every day at their store. And that is what? like Mondo awesomeness because you can support a local comic book store and you still feel like you don't have to order it off of Amazon. Like you don't feel like you're like getting 
not, I don't want to use the word ripped off because that's not what they're doing. But like, honestly, you should pay, you should go to a comic store and you should pay full price. That's what you should do because it's a local comic store. You need to keep stuff in business, but they're willing to give you a discount and they're even willing to kind of compete with Amazon prices. So go check out Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. Graphic novels and trades are 25% off. Uncanny Heroes is located at 12904 North 56th Street in Temple Terrace. Check them out on the web at uncannyheroes.com and like them on Facebook at Uncanny Heroes Tampa. Support your local comic book store, people. So, Matt, how, how's your month? Have you been? Have you changed and grown over the holidays? You know, I've, I've shrunk. I, uh, I definitely, I, New Year's Eve, I sat on the front porch of my neighbor's. And we listened to the gunfire of Southside St. Pete for till about oh. two o'clock in the morning. A lot of AK 47s were going off because our next door neighbor to him was a cop and he was off. And he's like, like, yeah, that's gunfire. And I was like, I lived in Oakland, California. I lived in Chicago. Like I heard more gunfire on New Year's Eve this past year than I've ever heard before in my lifetime. I'm really surprised by that because I spent New Year's Eve at Brooks parents house and they live kind of close to ocala not quite ocala but like close up in that direction which is a very much more rural area than where you're talking about and i didn't hear any gunfire so it's a little little weird twist going on there no but i've uh since then given up the booze the really? ca- the caffeine my my daily red bull and um and my little bag of potato chips every day i used to have and i've i've all all booze like all together well, yes. I mean, like, I'm not going to give up booze for, like, indefinitely. I have a hockey tournament in February, and I was like, okay, it's like February 11th, and I was like, six weeks. It's like, I feel like I can hold things together for six weeks. Right. And uh, so far, I've, I've I've lost, like, nine pounds just Good on for you. not eating the shit that I normally eat. But it's, wear, it. it's wearing on me today. This Monday was rough, man. No sugar, no hangover. No salty potato chips. Oh, it was a tough one. That's why I think I'm a grumpy goose on this, Mister Miracle. Maybe that. Maybe that's what it was. No, that is. Um, I mean, that's the first step too, man. Is just cutting all that crap out. What about? I mean, this is a comic book podcast. What about reading? Did you get a lot of reading done over the holidays? Anything new? Oh, did I finally, did. You I, finally read the Vision. I no, I didn't read the Vision. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went through and I think I read. I think it was 50 issues of The Walking Dead. To catch up to 175 because I, I wrote a review for new world order last week and i was like okay i gotta remember stuff i need to catch up and and i read 50 issues from like 125 to 175 of the walking dead and so that covers like i think like right after negan's done and then the whisperers and then this whole craziness there's there's a civilization in ohio 50,000 people now that they just discovered in the Walking Dead universe. Oh, I guess I probably should spoil that for people. I don't know. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> it's a week later. It'll, it's like a week and a yeah. half later. So. If people, yeah, if people are really that dedicated to the Walking Dead, then they've read that already. I just don't know how Kirkman is able to land a cliffhanger on every single, every 22 pages is a major cliffhanger where you're like, oh shit, I gotta read the next book. I gotta read the next book. I gotta read it. And like, even on 175, like, they're like, oh, we're gonna change the status quo. And you figure that would be enough. And then you hit the last page and you're like, son of a bitch. Like, it was like emotional and exciting. And you're like, what the fuck does this mean? 
That's why he gets the big bucks, man. That's why the Image Partners made him a partner. Yeah, they're like, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I watched actually just total non sequiturs. I just, because um, we haven't talked in a month, so I got to catch up on some of this stuff. I watched this documentary series, Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics on AMC. It's awesome. And the last episode was about Image and the founding of Image and its genesis and whatever. And when it got to the point in the story where Kirkman comes along with The Walking Dead, it cracked me up because he, he told the story. He pitched it to them. He came in, he pitched them the story, and they were just like, ah, you know, zombie books don't really sell that good. Uh, you know, the movies do okay. It's not really something we're looking for. And in a last-ditch effort to save it, Kirkman's like, oh, but I didn't I didn't tell you the, the twist. Like, the hook is that it's actually a secret alien invasion, and the aliens created the zombies and sent them to Earth and stuff. And Image was just like, oh, well, that's like the hook we were looking for. Yeah, sure, let's let's do it. We'll go ahead. And so they put it out, and the series starts, and a few issues into the series, they go to Kirkman and, like, you know, Robert, where's uh, where's the, the alien stuff that it's supposed to be building up to? And Kirkman's just like, yeah, no, guys, I, I lied about the alien stuff. Like, there's no aliens. <laughs> and they were, But the book was doing well at that point, so they were just like, oh, okay, like, sure. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's one of the biggest things in the world is you don't want to purposely lie to, like, hurt somebody. But you need to do whatever it takes to get your foot in the door and get your, like, comic book out there. And sometimes you just got to, like, go to Todd McFarlane and, like, or Eric Larson and be like, yeah, there's big fucking aliens in it. Everybody's going to love it. And then there isn't. But you got And now it's the biggest thing. Now it's, like, one of the biggest shows, biggest comics, like, all on a lie. It's It's the highest rated show outside of the NFL. I know. It's crazy. And it's all because Kirkman lied about some aliens (laughs) once. I mean, I'm sure someone would have picked that up eventually. No, I I love just like December, the whole holiday season, because shows are on hiatus. I'm trying to cut a bunch of TV out of my life anyway. That's one of my resolutions. But had, just having all of them on hiatus makes it so much easier to just catch up on all the reading that I've been wanting to do. So like, I I'm just gonna plug some awesome things that I've been reading since we're we're dedicating this whole episode to Mr. Miracle. So I just want to get a few quick plugs out of the way and some awesome. I don't know, man. We're ten minutes into it, and we really haven't talked about Mr. Miracle yet. It's fine. It's the only book we're talking about this week, though, so we have plenty of time. Like, it's it's okay. It's okay. Just give me two seconds to plug some things. I finally, I'm reading through The Goon. Have you ever read The Goon? I have not read The Goon, but there's a short animated, they did a short animated pitch for The Goon that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that, and the movie's supposedly, they're, supposed, they're going to be coming out with some news soon about the progress of the movie, but I'm reading Eric Powell's The Goon. I'm about six volumes in, and it's one of the greatest things I've ever read. Like, if you are a fan of monsters, horror, crime noir, like, it is one of the most beautifully drawn comics, and it's just, I, I cannot recommend The Good Enough. I, I am kicking myself that I took me this long to get into it. It's amazing. It's fantastic. I also read just some great series of 2017 that maybe people haven't heard of that they should check out. Four Kids Walk Into a Bank by Black Mask Studios. Matthew Rosenberg wrote it, the guy who wrote Phoenix Resurrection that we were talking about earlier hysterical coming-of-age story about us. I'm not even going to spoil it. Ah, I, well, I got to give you a little bit of something, but it's just, it's four kids who, it, it, it's a it's a child bank robbery story is all I'm going to pitch it to you, but it, it's not stupid. It's hysterical. It's heartfelt. It has all the awesome emotions in it. And funny is the best word. It's a comedy more, more than anything else. It's great, though. And then um, on the other side of the spectrum, I read Park Bench by... Chaboute, I think his name is pronounced. It's French. He's a French cartoonist. It's a graphic novel. It's a whole graphic novel. It's silent. There's no dialogue in it. It's just a whole silent graphic novel. It's 
focused on a park bench. It's a black and it's very French. It's black and white. And it just it's it, it focuses on a park bench and just you see people coming and going and it's like slice of life. And it's it, it, it's really good. Like it sounds boring, but it's really good. Sounds like, like that's mis- I, sounds like Mr. Miracle. And that's your t- there's the patented Matt Sardo transition. <laughs> there's the on time. No, no, no. This. You Let's can talk, you can talk about more books. It's fine. Yeah, more no, books. those were the three that I wanted to pitch because like the, out of everything I read over the holidays, like those were my some of my, my three favorite. I think they were uh, they're awesome. Especially like Park Bench took me by surprise. I came across it because uh, Hass from Strip Panel Naked and Panel X Panel tweeted about it randomly, and I was like, a graphic novel focused only on a park bench it's silent i'm like this sounds like the exact kind of weird that i need to check out and it was totally worth it anyway that's what i'm reading and you know what else i'm reading matt yes mr miracle i will hold your horses for one second oh okay i didn't i mean i read i read some stuff but i i do want to tell everybody to go see the netflix or go watch the netflix series dark have you watched it yet no, I haven't. I haven't. Like I said, I'm trying. I've been cutting a lot of stuff out, so I've been I, I watching get that. too much. I get that. You you say a lot of words. I kind of listen. I totally don't listen at all. But <laughs> I, I get that. Dark. I mean, dark is like the Germans' version of Stranger Things. It's dubbed, but it's it's really good. I want, and I even like tweeted out like it has a better story than Stranger Things. Like just written, like the, the see, com- yes. You see, like you, because you say things sometimes where you're just like, oh, it's the German Stranger Things, or this is that, and I, I sometimes I do not follow your analogy at all. Like I've seen some of your movie reviews where you're just like, oh, this is the blank of blank, and I'm like, no, no, it's not, Matt. It's <laughs> so not, I'm or it just... isn't, <laughs> or like you don't know the movies, or you don't like get the references. I just don't. I don't. I don't agree with the parallels. So you're saying you're saying dark is the strange, the German Stranger Things. I I need to see it myself though to to see if that's accurate or not. Right. I mean, it's the closest thing. I mean, it's 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 kids, but it also has like different levels and it and it takes place. I I don't want to tell you too much about it, but like it is so good and it's one of those shows where like I ended up watching it over a weekend because each ending of an episode was so powerful that you're like, oh, I have to watch it. But like. It also had like a super creepy angle to it as well to where I was like creeped out. Like I was up late watching this and like shit moved around my house. And I was like, damn it. Shit needs to stop moving around my house because <laughs> the show is so good and so creepy. Uh, yeah, I, mean, no, I love creepy. I love Stranger Things. So I'm down. You know, today I wrote uh, Blockers. The trailer for Blockers came out and I was like, this is the sick love child of something about Mary and 16 Candles. I am so I'm not looking I'm not looking forward to that movie at all. No, no I called it the Antichrist of teen comedy. You did that? Now that was a headline that I was in support of. I was like, yeah, I get yeah, sure. <laughs> that every tra- time I see a trailer for that, I'm just like, no. No. Alright, so we're uh we're fifteen plus minutes sixteen minutes right now into the podcast. And we have yet to talk about Mr. Miracle. Okay. Well, I'll let me start this because I'm going to start on a really bold statement that I'm sure will make your head spin. Head is not going to spin. Okay, your head won't spin. I'm <laughs> going to make a bold statement anyway. Y- you look back on like superhero comics and you see these landmark superhero comics like Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, like comics that 
kind of redefined what you could do with superheroes and kind of have stood the test of time. And they're landmarks in superhero comic book history. And you were like, you know, you were a kid when those came out. Me, I, I wasn't around, so I only know them as these historical landmarks, you know. So I can't imagine what it was like being there when those books were coming out. But sitting here today reading Mr. Miracle, I can only imagine that's like the closest thing to it. Like sitting here reading it and just being like, oh man, this is going to this is going to be something that is read and studied and loved and and like like literally studied in classes like i i i love this book so much and now and now you say what you said when we signed on earlier i it's so pretentious it's 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 uh i mean i i, I like reread i reread all of it over the past hour and a half right before this podcast and you sent me issue six that i read that in issue six they're just talking about general life as the action's unfolding and i feel like i've seen this before in a million movies not per se comic book wise but i was like okay i get it and then it lasted the whole entire issue and then you set me up for failure when you said this was the mid-season finale because i was like sitting there and I was like, okay, page one, same thing, page two, same thing, page three. And then like, it was the last four pages before you get to like actually something real happening in the book. Yeah. So it's actually funny that you pointed that exact thing out because I was reading uh, an interview when they, when they were previewing this book, Tom King was talking about it and the interviewer asked them, you know, this issue is an issue long conversation between Scott and Barter about condo renovations in the midst of this bloody battle. Talk about the purpose this serves. I'm going to read you Tom King's quote. Oh, you wait a second. So you like brought research material to like blow me out of the water today, didn't you? No, I literally no. I just pulled this up while you were talking. Like <laughs> you said, you said your thing, and I was just like, this sounds familiar. Oh yeah, I'm going to pull that up. <laughs> anyway, he says there are a lot of themes going on in this Mister Miracle. One of the big ones is the connection between God and man, and dealing with the consequences of that, and a God realizing he's a man, and vice versa. It's such an easy thematic thing to do to see someone doing huge Herculean tasks and while they're doing it in the midst of a discussion of everyday life. It is a good metaphor for everything we go through every day. Sometimes you're working out the biggest ideas in the world, but half your brain is occupied with the smallness of, you know, you have to walk the dog. And that's end quote. So, I mean, he admits it that it's an easy thematic thing to do. It's he, he doesn't say like I'm, not, I'm breaking new ground here. Like this is this is my idea. Like he never claims any of that. Like no, because like there's that Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie movie where they're spies, and I was like, this is the same exact action sequence, just with Big Barda and Mister Miracle. I'm like I'm so I'm you know I'm I'm both happy and sad. Like I really. Because I've loved the series this whole way through. It's like we'll get to grades and stuff later, and I'll praising this book. But like, so it it was it was like flooring to me that like you came into this being just like, oh, it's pretentious, it's whatever, it's blah, blah, blah. But on the other hand, I'm actually glad that you have this perspective. That way, we're not just like sitting here praising Mister Miracle for an hour, and you actually can maybe tell me. I I can't I haven't been able to find any flaws with this series. So maybe you can point some out to me as someone who it's probably my jadedness. But it's the fact that we don't know what's real and what is what is real and what is not real. So you're there aren't any rules to this story where like you could kill Granny Goodness, you could kill 
all the gods, and then you can turn a page and be like, oh, that was just dark side in Scott's mind, and then he really didn't do this, but he's been... I've been waiting for this book for him to be stuck in that three-by-three three box that he keeps describing. Or this is like them as children, him thinking of the future, like him just imagining stuff. So I like... I don't know, because like the, the one of the... Like I read books about God and, and, and the waiting for Gadot like always keeps coming to my mind when it comes to this and the talk of gods and the coming back and forth and all this other stuff. So maybe it's just an age thing where like I've had this like conversation with my friends in my 20s and 30s and, and now I'm kind of just established in my kind of like belief system, I guess. So I guess it's not that mind blowing to me because I've already had this conversation. Maybe also it just it's waiting for Godot. Not just just not not to be a pretentious theater asshole, but it's waiting for Godot, not Godot. <laughs> and... Okay, number one, it's my Gail Godot reference, so you missed it. So suck on that. Also, her name is Gal, not Gail. So again, it's fine. Like we we'll move past it. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, I was so busy correcting you, I lost my train of thought. No, Godot. I think that I, I think that's fair that Godot. you're saying like you're. you're <laughs> I think that that is fair that you're bringing like your own feelings into this and you've had this conversation before because we you and me we are two different stages in our lives and I think a big reason that I love this series so much is that I I just I can my worldview at this point in my life at 25 almost 26 whatever I I I sympathize with Scott a lot I see a lot of what he's going through I feel a lot of this stuff you know, it, it, and and yeah, it's and it's depressing and stuff. And sometimes I get depressed, and sometimes I get sad, and sometimes I empathize with him. And a, a lot of my enjoyment of the series comes from that. And you know, he feels he feels trapped, and the world doesn't make sense to him. And you know, I feel that way sometimes too. And I think that's why this series is resonating with a lot of people right now. But I think it's fair that you, for you to come to the table also and say. I've had these conversations before. I've had the, I've gone through my existential crisis, like, you know, so, and or, or whatever else, you know? Because this is kind of like his themes that he likes to do. He even talks about, Tom King talks about, like, how he likes to have that dark, depressing looking out the window on a rainy day thing. That's also just not my cup of tea. Like, that story he told about the Jew, the Jewish kid and the concentration camp. And I was like, that is a powerful depressing story and it was like a real it's a really good story it's ironic there's a lot of good things going on like a lot of good elements in that like that where you can just sit and contemplate that shit forever one i'm sober i don't have any whiskey to deal with this shit uh two that's not why i read comic books (laughs) you know i mean like again i like expanding i like expanding my horizons and stuff like that but i also I, I guess when I come to my, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's. But but com, so com, comics is a medium, right? Comics, comics is, is a genre. Comic right again. I you I, feel free to correct me on all this stuff. That's fine because I can't. But saying, like movies, I can't like, punch you. you. Don't I can't watch. Pun, I can't movies. punch you right now. Like I mean, I'll punch you later. So feel free to correct me all you want. It's fine. Like you don't only watch fun movies. Like you'll watch like some retrospective movies or some you know introspective movies, some dark, depressing movies. Like you don't only watch the big action blockbusters. So it's the same thing for comics, right? Right. That is that is the same thing. Like I wa- I read The Walking Dead. Dead in The Walking Dead. Like I know that every 
you know, 10 to 12 issues, somebody probably is going to get whacked or even more than that. Like some, but that's kind of like, it keeps you intense and it, it keeps you on, on the seat of your pants. It's like, there's an intensity to that book, uh, with the walking dead with this. I don't understand the point of the book where I'm like, okay, what are we trying to explain here? And this is where I kind of think about like Tom King and like, where does Tom King come from? Like when I interview people, I love trying to figure out like, why do they need to publish this book? What is, what is the motivations behind this book? Where is he coming from? Like, you know, what, what's busted in his childhood? Like what dark things does he have there where he's pushing these things here? Because I thought this was going to be kind of like a conversation about suicide and I, I still think part of this book is like just trapped right in that moment of him escaping death between the beginning of suicide and him coming back to where it all could just be a dream as well. Um, and I guess this is this is what happens when you watch too much shit because like you can never come at it from a fresh angle. And I'm like watching. I was like, good. It's like, OK, this is what could happen. Or like I'm trying to figure out one. I'm trying to figure out what the question is in this book. And then I'm also trying to figure out like how how to answer that question. Yeah. I think obviously once the series is over, we've read all 12 of them, we see how the plot plays out and what happens. It'll be a lot easier to answer that, but just from where we are right now, it's, and it's really reflected in the art, but it's just really supposed to be a realistic reflection of life. Tom King, and he's done it before. Like Tom King did that in Omega men, you know, he was in the CIA and then he saw a bunch of stuff going on with the military and, with the war and stuff, and he wrote Omega Men and tapped into that and used Omega Men as an analogy. And I think all those feelings that I was describing earlier of depression, feeling trapped, not feeling like the world makes sense anymore, that is something that a lot of people are feeling right now. Or, you know, the you know, feeling in 2017 when the book came out and just the last couple of years, I think, have been kind of, you know, the world the world is is dark and, you know, stuff happens in it. And I think a lot of people, Tom and Mitch probably included, feel for Scott and they're letting these feelings out through it. And again, Mitch's art is very hyper-realistic. You know, he paints, it's not cartoony. It's a very realistic portrayal of everything. And they're But they're using gods, literal gods, and, you know, these big atmospheres and apocalypse and new genesis as a you know, as, as a metaphor, as, as a, as a mirror to kind of distance it, but also make it the same. So that's, that's the purpose to me anyway. Like, and again, the plot, maybe the, the plot is second to that, like this whole like war with apocalypse and dark side having the anti-life equation. And now, you know, the big spoiler at the end of issue six and whatnot, like the, and the plot is awesome. And I'm totally here for it, but I'm really, my main love for this are all those themes and the feelings and the, the emotions that it evokes it's cathartic, you know, for people who are going through a lot of these things, it's cathartic to read this and feel these things. I mean, again, I just, all same as you, I reread all of these. And when I got to issue four, his trial, and Orion is... Yeah, because I, I was, because this is the thing, is like, you guys are talking about how that was like the greatest single issue of last year. And I was like, okay, I don't get it. Well, because like... This whole, like, this spread here when he's going back and forth where he's just like... Yeah, true false, you true false. Yeah, I don't yeah, care what you, you know. Crew, you hate I your childhood, know. you hate your life, you hate yourself. Like, when I read that interaction with him, when I read that whole interaction yesterday, that, like, evoked something in me. And, like, I felt it in my core reading that. And, like, I 
like that's my maybe my favorite moment in the whole series or if not my favorite moment at least the one that like kind of struck a chord with me the most i don't know what that says about me but because i I like the i like the one where he just kept going in the battles i think it was like issue two like where he just kept going in the battles and then orion's like consumed by the power and of whatever his douchebagness is whatever he's consumed by um but I'm just waiting for the twist. I'm waiting for the twist of like what's gonna go, what's what's happening for this, and yeah. And, and I actually thought, like you mentioned earlier, that you're waiting to see that he's in that three by three box, and I, I thought it would be this issue. Like if if we go, if you go back to and listen to episode eight of this podcast where we reviewed Mister Miracle one, myself included, like I think I call it like you know, oh issue six, the halfway point. There's gonna be a twist, and we're gonna find out that he's in a box and then the second half of the series is going to be you know quote unquote the real world the escape or whatever the it escape is, yeah. yeah didn't happen obviously but there has to be a twist at some point because this book is supposed supposedly in continuity like before it came out they were like it's in continuity this is gonna have ramifications blah 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 but like the characters that we see like we see dark side in this dark side's not around right now he's a baby still from you know, Dark Side War, and he's in metal. He's a baby, like. But we see full-grown adult Dark Side happening here, and a Spoil- bunch of other stuff spoilers. happening too. That spoiler. Well, it's- just that he's referenced even throughout the whole thing. Like he's yeah. referenced throughout the whole thing, and he's you know, no one's like, oh, baby Dark Side. Like they're just talking about. Dark well, that Side, was so. my thing is that we'd never seen him yet, so I was like, okay, you know, that could be. It, this could all be in Orion's head. Like he's causing this war to begin with, kind of thing. Like everybody, like, you know, the whole Wizard of Oz. I mean, people will follow stupid shit follow stupid shit all the time i don't know if there's too many themes in this book to where like if it was focused on maybe two themes or maybe three themes it would probably again i don't i don't want to dumb down the book either you know i want it to be complicated i want to i'm just trying to figure out like you have compassion for scott and i guess that's because you automatically just have compassion for scott but like I was like, okay, I walk, you know, reading this book, like I reread it again, and I was like, okay, you see him as a kid, you see him as this, but but, but you don't ever really have like that bonding moment in the beginning where like you're supposed to bond with the character kind of thing. You just jump into the middle of it, and like you have a bond with him, and I'm like, eh, I don't really have a bond with him. And then the fact that everything's like fractured, like immediately in the first issue, I don't. I don't get a bond with anybody else either. I'm like, oh, I really like Big Barter's character. But then, like, once they talk about her eyes being different colors in the first issue, like, I don't know who I can trust or who I can, you know, believe is real and, like, then actually, like, care about them. The only one I kind of, you know, the only one I know that's a central figure is Mr. Miracle because his name's in the title. So I guess that's maybe my biggest gripe is that I, like, I have no attachment to these people because you know stuff is off right from the beginning. Yeah, and again, and I didn't, I didn't come quote unquote prepared to like you know with all my research and stuff like that. But just because I've enjoyed this so much, I've been reading a lot of interviews with them and stuff like that. And a big part of what they're doing here, not just in the story, but just like as you know, a work, is they're trying to disrupt you. They're trying to obviously they want to confuse you. They want to make you feel as confused as Scott feels, and they want to throw you off. And they never want you to get settled. And that's the whole point of Dark Side is. All those little Dark Side is panels that they throw in, especially in the first issue, they say, like, yeah, we threw those in to throw you off. Like, you're reading, you're reading. We don't want you having, like, a normal pace. Like, we want those panels to stop you, A, stop you, and make you 
you know, focus on what's happening and really pay attention to it and B to disrupt your flow. Like you read a comic book and normally the writer and the artist, they want to get you through it and they want, they don't want to, they are purposefully disrupting your flow to make you, to throw you off and make you still feel like Scott. But that's fine. That's fine to have that disruptive and they want you to like feel what the character's going through. Yeah. And like it is, they are doing that, but they didn't, but that's part of what's happening to you with the characters. Do enough. No, no. The fact that it's disrupted, I like. There is no other character besides Mister Miracle that I will form any bond with. And what I'm saying is that they haven't give. They didn't give me enough in the first issue for me to want to bond with Scott. I mean, like, did yeah. you bond with him as it went on? No, because you don't issue? know. Because you don't know what's real or fake. Yeah, and and and, again, and you just said that, and it like made it like. Like my dopamine just went off because in my mind I was just like, and that's what I love about it so much. Um, what, yeah, what? you don't, but neither does he. So at least, and again, this kind of almost goes back to like their in issue five, their whole discussion about Descartes. You know, I think therefore I am, but like Scott is doubting everything too, just like you are, and he doesn't know what's real either. So it's almost like if the the only thing that you can trust and rely on is Scott. You know what I'm saying? Because his can, feelings, can no one else. I, th- I think so. Like anyone, like even Barda, like I like Barda in this, but you're right. You don't know if she's real because of the whole thing with the eye color. But the only character that I, I trust is Scott because he's as lost and I am. I'm not saying I don't trust like that. Everything he sees is true because I don't think he se- thinks that everything he sees is true. You know, it's almost like we're like, we're lost together. Like, and again, the fact that it's so hard to explain this is another thing that I really enjoy about this is that none of it makes sense. <laughs> I love. I love that this is a podcast. I wish that that's what that should be the cover photo. I should take that picture of what your face just looked like and make that like the featured image on this podcast episode. Because that's that that's great. Because I don't want. I mean, I don't want to bash this book, but I also like. Like I said, I mean, I would have if there was some sort of some sort of bond. You know, again, uh, it it doesn't have to be a lot, but there was nothing. Maybe you're not. Or maybe you just you you just you don't feel these same things and that's good and that's fine maybe it's just like you're not the maybe you're not just the target for this because you're not feeling the same things that scott's going through right yeah no i'm not going to commit suicide neither am i for the record i mean like it's that and again it's it's not <sighs> i don't want to i don't want to turn off anybody i always because i always piss off people when i say stuff about like suicide and stuff like that like if you have a problem definitely give me a conversation give me a call and i will like have a conversation with you for the rest of time like that's not what i'm not saying that's not what i'm that's what i'm saying right there uh with suicide but like you know i've had you know suicide relatively close to me and i just see the effects of it so i of what it does to the family so it just pisses me off beyond life's you know, end of the effects that like that does. But I also understand that sometimes people are in super dark places and you need to talk to people. So like talk to people and if, you know, and go talk to people, but it also like the backside, it ruins people. So I guess that that's, that's probably my little tinge of why it bothers me. But the suicide angle aside, which, you know, it's hard it's a big thing to put aside, but just the other feelings, just the general feeling of, you know, loneliness, depression, isolationism, uh, you know, feeling trapped, feeling lost, not understanding the world around you and stuff like that. Like, like that's what I meant when I said, like, maybe you just 
maybe you're not connecting with him because you're not feeling the same things that he's feeling. Whereas a lot of readers are not, you know, not everyone, not everyone feels these things. <laughs> you're, you're a happy go lucky guy. You're happy. You're married. You have a kid. Like actually you're married. You have a kid. So maybe, maybe this whole feeling of being trapped might be like, maybe, maybe this is up your alley. I don't know. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's relatabilities in all of this. I guess for me, I'm looking for, I've seen all these emotions before. I'm looking to see how he ties it together and where we're going. And I appreciate what they're doing artistically. I think they're doing some really cool stuff there. I still hate the nine panel grid. It bothers me like beyond all belief because sometimes you can break it. And I even liked when they broke it in the nine panel grid where they're like, well, we're going to use two panels to do one panel, but we're still going to break it up down the middle. I was like, okay. Yeah. Cause it's how well, this is. Yeah. And that's where I want to go with the conversation next. Cause we talked a lot about the story because there's a lot to talk about and we could, we could keep talking about the story, but I do just, I do want to talk about the craft and the layouts of this book. Obviously the nine panel grid being a huge part of it because there's a lot of, there's a lot of like meta conceptual stuff going on here where they they use the format. Okay, the nine panel grid. You, we'll start there. You just said that even when like two panels make up one image, they still break it to keep the nine panel grid intact. Especially like if you look in issue, I think three, like when he's having the conversation with Forager or a lot of the panels with him and Barda, that split is again it's separating him it's dividing him from another character so even though they're even though him and forager are sitting on the same couch having a conversation that grid line that gutter is dividing them and scott is still alone and isolated even though he's still there and you know there's a lot of that meta commentary going on there and they use that to to separate him from the rest of these characters and a lot of the a lot of the panels he's alone because of that gutter even if there are other people in the room so that and that's one again that's one of the things that I just, I love that Mitch Garrett's does in this and you know I love the way that he frames the characters you know he frames Scott very small a lot of the times to make him look smaller and and weaker and I think there's just a, again this is a book that can be studied from a story perspective and will be studied and it, it's a clinic in in art and how you know you can use grid structures to kind of play with things it lends itself to a lot of this book's comedy because there's a lot of dark comedy going on here because you have that, again, it's another another interview I read. They like the nine-panel grid because each row you have three. So it really lends itself well if you want to do something where it's like, you know, repeat, repeat, subvert, repeat, repeat, subvert, and kind of play with your expectations, either go for a laugh or go for, you know, uh, a pull-at-your-heartstring kind of moment, stuff like that. And... The biggest thing is the nine-panel grid is a cage, man. It, it's a cage where it, it it physically looks like a cage, trapping these characters, trapping us. And interestingly enough, I, I I'm really ashamed that I didn't notice this until I read it in an article. Issue one starts with a couple of splash pages. We see a big splash of Scott's face, the big two-page spread of him on the floor with his wrists cut, and then there's like you know the page of him as a kid, and then the grid comes down. And it's there the rest of the series. So like those first two it pages. It doesn't come of him down. There, it's just there. Stop putting more shit in there than it should be. Oh, sorry. Did I make it sound too um what was uh 
Shit, what was the word they used? Pretentious. I made it sound too pretentious. Okay, fine. But and no, those first couple of pages, a couple of first pages are almost like when he's free in a way, and the, when the reader is free. And then the grid appears, doesn't come down, it appears, and we're trapped the rest of the series. So there's like a really nice little message there, which again, will probably come back to play later in the series when we learn more about what the hell's going on in the story. I don't think we're ever going to know what's going on. I don't know. You know, if we get to issue 12 and they and they don't explain anything, d- depending on how it plays out, I mean, I'd be fine with that too, man. I would. Like, if, if this, because that, that would just mean that this maybe is all just really happening. And maybe, and maybe it maybe it takes place in the future. Maybe it takes place elseworlds. Like, like, who knows? I'm just going back looking over those pages because it's a huge shot of Scott and then the splash page. I do like the kid page because I don't understand the whole the whole tape on it aspect of it. Well, that, that tape plays a huge role in that first issue because we see the tape later on Oberon's face as well before we find out that he's dead. Are you connecting the dots? Well, Mr. maybe Mr. Miracle's dead. So maybe he's still on the bathroom floor. You know, maybe, maybe, this, maybe this is all his white light. And maybe the last issue will... Maybe he'll still survive. Maybe... Maybe he slid his wrist, he's on the bathroom floor, and this is all, like, what flashes through his mind. Like, hit the aftermath of the suicide. And then the last issue will be him actually being woken up from the suicide. And then it'll be all a dream, and I'll be like, you suck. <laughs> I mean, I it's just like, I mean, like, it's... Uh, it's <sighs> I just, I just, I love the layouts. And another thing... Because I, I want to talk about every aspect of this book because this is a book that fires on all cylinders for me. Like, again, if you want to show somebody every aspect of a comic book, this is the one. Because, like, the lettering kills it. Clayton Cole's Not is, everything is shown in this book because it's a nine-panel grid. I'm not getting back on that. But I'm just saying, like, the lettering is good. Everything, But one thing that we don't really talk about on the show that I really want to talk about in terms of Mr. Miracle are the covers. Like, every issue of Mr. Miracle, like between Nick Darrington's A covers and Mitch Garrett's B covers, I love the covers for this book, man. Like they are, and it's funny because Mitch and Nick both have very different takes on them because Nick's are a little more cartoony, a little brighter, and Mitch's are a little bit more in line with the interior artwork. But they just, they, they say so much about the book and they're just, they're so beautiful. Like they're, they're print worthy. And like issue six is out this week. And yeah, I read my preview copy to talk on the thing, but I'm still I'm gonna go buy the hard copy. And I like I'm so torn. Like part of me just wants to buy both copies because both covers look so good. Like so, I, maybe I, I, maybe they'll come out with a lenticular cover where they're both on the same comic. I hate lenticular covers <laughs> with a passion. They the the scratching of them drives me crazy. And my lovely fiance, who I love so much, thinks it's so funny to scratch them in front of me. And just drive, you know, a chill up my spine. I was not a fan of the Jesus pose in issue five. I'm trying to think of like halfway through the book, Scott's tied up in the Jesus pose all naked. Oh, when when he's tied to the bed. Yeah, like that's like, it's not in the middle of the book. It's like page five or not even one, two, three, four. Yeah, five. It's page five. Because then I'm just like, okay. We're talking about gods. We're talking about and like all this stuff is like you could have you could have done it. I guess if you I I think I just wanted to plan the panel out differently. I think the Mr. Miracle 
mask over his nuts is just too much for me. <laughs> it's another really interesting use of the nine panel grid, by the way. Like again, it's all one solid image across the top and down the middle, but it's still broken up. And why is that? Because Scott Free is a broken man. Okay. Do we do we not know this? Do we do we need a nine panel grid to know this? It's no. I mean, do you need any of this stuff? But like, it's it's just it just enhances the whole experience of it. I I would love to see Mitch let loose on this book and see how he would do with with. I think he is letting loose. I think that he is like, and he, I mean, he said it. Tom has said it. I feel like he's operating at the top of his game with this book. I don't know, man. When you're stuck in a box and you have to draw the same box over and over again. It know. challenges you and it forces you to like experiment and and bust your ass. Or it just you're stuck in a box. No uh, man, I uh, I from everything I and mean, we talked to him at MegaCon. I've read plenty of interviews with him. Like he seems to be through the moon about this book and loves working on it and what he's doing with it. He doesn't. That's feel... because you don't know this when you're stuck in the box. When you're stuck in the box, you just you think you're happy. You think you're happy. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have to that's the most. To that's out. the most crazy deep I'm gonna get on this Mister Miracle book. <laughs> well, like I and again, and I know I've been, everything that you've said. I've tried to like shoot down and give my own. Oh no, it's this, it's that. But like genuinely, I, I everyone I've talked to about it, you know, loves it. It 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 was. It's been. I mean, Monkey's Fighting Robots named it the best comic of 2017. A lot of sites named it the best comic of 2017. So it's it's. It's better that you have an opposing view that way. Again, we're not just sitting here praising this book, but genuinely, I will not, I will not challenge you when I ask you this question. Can you please na name like name some faults that you have with this book? Because I have, I can't name any. So uh, you, as someone from the opposing viewpoint, I think I already told you. I mean, like I have no. I have no bond. Just, I have is no, it just the fact that you don't know what's happening? I, no, I don't have a bond with anybody on this. Like it's that's how what I enjoy. Like when I, you know, I'll use Walk and Walking Dead is what I just read. But like you go through care, you go through stages. Characters get whacked off left and right, but like you still care about those they do? characters. Yes, that's gross. No, they don't get jerked off. They get like whacked, like killed, left and you right. Say, you didn't say that. You said whacked off. Yeah, you get whacked off. Whack, you, you get, you whacked. get whacked or you get off. You don't get <laughs> whacked off. You, uh, you get whacked off the show. Um, whole new meaning. Uh, that's a that's a Walking Dead porn out there, guys. Uh, where everybody needs to get whacked off and then they just don't come back to the show. Um, but I do like I do like when Barda is killing everybody naked in issue five. Yeah, that was awesome. Like that was an awesome ending to that. And you know Funky Flashman is supposed to be Stan Lee, right? Yes, because he already said Excelsior once. Yeah. And I was like, oh. That great. was Jack Kirby digging at Stan Lee in the 70s. Yeah. Just going through his pages. I, I do, I love the texture of the book. Like, they're they're doing so much with, like, colors and inkings. And, like, it's a collage more than it is a comic book. And I like that. Like, they, they get all the panels down, they do all the stuff, and then they're like, okay, how can we fuck up the page? And it's like, oh, let's add some bubbles, let's add some stars, like, and just have all things go throughout the page and to where it, like, becomes, like, one page, or they'll bring some shit in the back. 
but I do like the collage aspect of the book a lot. Well, that's good. I'm glad that we found something <laughs> that that you that you can praise. I'm looking at our I'm looking at episode eight of the show where we reviewed episode one, and I'm looking at our, our ratings because we want to. This is just for issue one. I gave issue one a four point seven five four point seven five monkeys, and you gave issue one four and a half robots. Uh huh. So on on this show we're I want we're we're grading the entire first six issues, respectively. So I I'm, I just I just want to establish where we were on issue one. That way we have a barometer and you know we could see where we've come on this since then. Also also I just I wanted to know what your favorite single issue has been so far. Uh, my favorite single issue is probably issue two. I think issue two is the one where he's like just going the battle. And they keep sending him off the battle. Yeah, the war issue. The war issue. I, I like that one. And then just, because that's where I thought, like, we were going to get a story. <laughs> I, to me, the, the the last three issues, four, five, six, have, I mean, I love the whole series, but four, five, six have been exceptionally strong. Uh, it's one of those cases where I feel like it's getting better every issue. As I said earlier, I think four four resonated with me the most, and I, nothing happens in it. There's no action there; like it's just all all talking, and again, that just that just yeah. But that true false thing, that true false thing is, uh, it's contrived to make you guilty no matter what, or innocent no matter what. Like the like the true false thing, you know what, where they were going because they were just gonna be like, okay, well, if this means this, then this means this, and if you're saying this is true, then that means that this is true, and you're going down that rabbit hole. Yeah, it's a trap. Right. He escapes from traps. Right, and they escape from that trap, too. Yeah. Because Barda came in and bashed over his head. And... <laughs> Big Barda came and killed Stan Lee. Oh, Stan. He went out in a blaze of glory, though. No, I think issue, issue four. I gotta, I gotta, st- I gotta stick with the veggie tray. I gotta stick with that damn veggie tray. I think is my my. Oh top man, and like, that's the thing is like, far. I saw that and I was like, people are eating that veggie tray up. Like it's just I, I don't know why people are eating the veggie tray up. Like I don't know why consumers or like, you know. Critics. Because it's so mundane, it's so mundane, and just like out of it, it's a trial for his life. And Barda's just like, "Oh, we should get a veggie tray." Yeah, we're going to the mall. We're doing they like they never act like anything wrong is going on. They just go through the motions. Yeah, and because it, they're they're gods. I mean, at the end of the day, they're still gods. Are they? Do you yeah, know? Any, do you gods. know anything? Do they know anything? Because they were no, like, I, well, you know, it was like, Orion's dark side father, dark side's father. And they're like, is he really? And so that's my whole dark point. Side, dark side's Orion's father. That's my whole point about this book is like, is it really? Are they really? Could it be? No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. Um. Okay. Give, give, give me, hit me with the rating for the first six issues for the I'm, whole first half of the season. I'm so at a speak. four. You went down, so you went from a four point five on issue one to a four for the half a season. Right, because the artwork can carry it so far, and I'm not bashing the writing either, because the writing, the writing is good. It's very pretentious. You all love it, um, but we don't really know what's going on, and I feel like by issue six, you should kind of have. 
some sort of something going on. Like I should like, I want to enjoy the ride and you should just enjoy the ride. But if you're investing your money, you know, if I got halfway through a movie and I'm like, I still don't really know what's going on in this movie. I don't know. I, I, I feel a little weird at that point in time. You know, I, I was at a 4.75 for issue one and, and I'm going up. I mean, I, I, I you should have guessed it from when I was talking. Oh earlier. no, this is, this is your, this is your Mr. Miracle boner. It's just getting larger. It, well, I mean, because I was talking earlier, what I was saying, just like I haven't been able to find any faults with this book, like, and it is, it's it's like as near perfect a comic as I've come across in a really long time for me, for me as a fan, knowing my tastes, you know. So, I I, I know you hate it. I'm so tempted to give it a five, but I mean, I'll give it a four point nine. Like, it's it's as close to a perfect comic as like I've I've seen in a long time. Okay. Halfway through, it, it was is a str- Oh, and the best fucking part is that this was the light, happy side of the story. Tom King, in an interview, said that, like, we just... Oh, hold on, I gotta pull this up now. He said that this was, like, the, um... Like, focusing on Scott's positive things, like his relationship with Bard and the new Genesis side, and he's saying that, like, the second half of the series is gonna be the, uh... Like, the dark apocalypse side of it. No, they're gonna gonna kill Barda, they're gonna kill the kid, they're gonna put Scott in the darkest starkest most depressing corner possible and be like hey now you need to get out of here and i'm like why the fuck do i want to read this no yeah here's the focus on the whole this is tom king the focus of the whole series has been on scott's relationship with the good half of his life the good half of him the new genesis side the next six the next six issues what you're going to see is his relationship with the apocalypse side with dark side we're moving into a transition here from the light to the dark it's closer to that truth of dark side is. So the fact that like, like me, I've been loving this because it's been like this dark introspective tale. And now you're telling me that it's going darker that, you know, again, just, just says a lot about me as a consumer and as a reader, but I, uh, we'll have to revisit this at issue 12, I think. Yeah. Well, we can definitely talk about it again. I mean, once it's all closed out, I, I'm sure I'll have feelings about it. It's just, it's, uh, Hmm. I'm trying to figure out how he's going to close this out. I guess that's my biggest question. Is probably shouldn't probably shouldn't review this story because it's not like anything self-contained. I probably shouldn't review this book until I get to the actual end of it because now I'm just I always this is my process is just questioning things and looking at things and trying to figure out how things work and stuff like that. So when you're at the slow pace, it's probably me over analyzing things. But yeah, I, I, when do they reveal it now, though? Like, again, I, I thought that it would be issue six, the halfway point, because like now we have to find like a good spot to do it. So, it, I mean, they again, they want to disrupt your flow. But like, do you do it in the penultimate issue? Like, is that like you gotta the do it? Do it in nine. And like, I would do it yeah, again, the halfway of this halfway, like nine is where you got to have because you don't have a lot of pages left to explain shit. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you don't want to like you could don't want to wait until issue 11 to make the bigger reveal because then you'll have one issue to you know play with it but again it depends on what the twist is but this is what the biggest problem is with comic books though is is that they they try to wrap everything up in one issue when you have the big crossovers when you have the big events you read them and it's like okay it's six issues and then like issue five is when the big reveal is and then you have one issue to kind of like like fix the situation and then close out the whole comic book where like you need to have another issue 
to kind of close things out properly. Like I would still have, I don't know. It's weird. It's, 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 you know, I mean, cause that's, that's one of my, I think comic books are brilliant at setups and buildups and energy and getting you there. But I don't think they're good at closing out storylines. My, that's my general thing with like superhero comic books in general is that like brilliant at the buildup, horrible at like the finale. Well, here's hoping that this one can stick it. And you know, if it's been any indica- a if it's been any indication just of the sheer talent of these guys, I have faith that they can stick it. And if it's yeah, but you just read issue six, and that was like twenty-one pages of build-up to one page of. So they're already doing that within the books themselves. I know, but but what I was saying also was if I, if I'm looking at Tom King's other, you know, contained works like Omega Men and the Vision. Like, again, a lot of build-up vision, which, again, you haven't read, so you don't know. But, like, a lot, there's a lot of build-up in that book throughout the first, you know, half, the first nine issues, whatever it is. But it, but that's not a book where it's all rushed in the end. Like, the vision had a very fulfilling conclusion to it. So I, I have faith that Tom King is going to be able to, um, you know, keep that going with, with Mr. Miracle. Because he's only, he's only getting better and more experienced as he writes more. Like, he's not, he hasn't. He hasn't peaked yet. Tom King hasn't peaked yet? No. As a writer? As a writer, yes. I'm saying, like, he's done this. Like, he's he's been able to tell a contained story and pull it off and make you feel fulfilled and not, like, wanting more at the... I mean, I, I would love more vision, obviously, but, like, I didn't feel like it was rushed. Omega Man, I didn't feel like it was rushed at the end. I felt like he was able to close it out on, on good terms, on fulfilling terms. I think... That's all we have to say about Miracle? Mr. Miracle? Mrs. Miracle? I'm, I mean, unless we want to keep like going for like a four-hour podcast. like I'll, gen- I'll genuinely talk about it as much as I can, but I've tried to fit as much stuff as I could in, a, in the appropriate amount of time. Yeah, no, I think I'm... I'm not upset about Mr. Miracle, but I think I'm done. I think I'm done with Mr. Miracle. I'm ready to move on to, to some Avengers and some X-Men Resurrection. All right, well, yeah, until issue 12, then. We'll, we'll get back to some lighthearted, fun stuff next week. Once again, there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show. Follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots. You can look at all our silly photos on Instagram at monkeyfightingrobots. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Sardo. My co-host, Anthony, is also on Twitter at the underscore great underscore ace. The biggest comment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on Blog Talk Radio. If you have a chance, we'd greatly appreciate a review of our show on Apple Podcasts. As always, the best way to listen to the show is on our website, monkeyspendingrobots.com. What are you, the world's greatest escape artist or the world's greatest idiot? There are so many people that made the 25th episode of the comic show Monkey Spider Robots a success. Go check out Uncanny Heroes in Tampa. And a special shout out to my co-host, Anthony Compasto. Merry Christmas. Wait, you already you said Merry Christmas like last last. Yeah, but now now I'm making a reference to Mr. Miracle when he says Merry Christmas. Yeah, but isn't that like a reference Luke Cage when he says Sweet Christmas? No, the Merry Christmas is what Granny used to tell them after that horrible German story. Yeah, no, I got that part. I was trying to get to a happier time in my life. (laughs) So, Sweet Christmas, people. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey Spreading Robots logo. Are you monkey? Are you robot? Miss Mitchell Realm built our website. Keeps us up running. To all my family, 
friends and the interweb. Thank you very much for your support. I'm Matt Sardo, and this is Monkeys Fighting Robots.